Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Good to be with you. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Axiom. If you've, if you've missed any of our other weeks, you're more than welcome to, 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 to catch up online. Uh, every sermon is uh, geared to be by itself, so you don't have to go back and listen to the previous message to pick up and understand what we're talking about today. And so an axiom is just a truth. It's something that doesn't change. This is a truth. This is something that you can take it to to the bank. You can take it to the bank. So today, I'm excited to share this one with you because it will absolutely be something you will have to put into practice. So let 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 me just get you on the same page. How many of you have ever driven to Philadelphia down 76? Put your hand up. How many of you have ever cursed on the way down there? Put your hand up. <laughs> all right, we're going to preach on that next week. And so, right? So we've all driven down, down 76. How many of you know it doesn't matter what time of the day that you drive, what year, what season, what situation, you're going to hit what? It doesn't matter. Like I, I, sometimes I'm driving down and I'm like, it's, it's like you're there and you're, you're like whistling. This is amazing. You get to the zoo. Like how do people go to the zoo? You ever go around that bay? You're like, why is so many people going to? How many times you got to see, you know, this chimpanzee or whatever? Like, it's zoo where you get, you, there's an accident somewhere. I have never in my life gone down uh, King, King of Prussia, got off the, the 76 ramp, wrapped around, put my car at a nice 65 to 85, somewhere like that, <laughs> cruise, and just cruise down. Anybody? And just went, and I went right into the city, hit the brake, gone off the off ramp, right in to get a cheesesteak, right? Like, it is. Never happened. It always involves traffic, cursing, frustration. I'm never going to Philly again. How many of you said that? I'm never going here again. And then you go again because it's, it's Philly. It's part of what we do. And so you're going to hit traffic no matter when you go. We're, we're, we're there. And so what I'm going to talk to you about today, no matter how likable that you are, no matter how great of a leader that you are, no, 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 no matter how kind that you are, no, no matter how respectful of a person that you are, you are going to face this. It uh, doesn't matter what you do. The only way you won't face what I'm going to talk to you about and how to handle today is if you do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. If you do anything in your life, if you're a leader of any, of any magnitude, if you have people that work for you, if you're a coach and you coach people's kids and they have parents involved, if you're a teacher, if you work out of school, if you own some, some kind of business, right? If you have coworkers, if you have a family, if you, if you, in any area of your life, if you have people that are closely connected to you in that area, you will face what, what I want, what criticism, you will face unfair treatment, you will be let down. Can I, am I, am I, am I tra- track? I know this isn't starting off high. You're going to be let down. You, you're you're going to have a people break promises to you. They're going to they're going to they're going to write a check with their mouth that their life doesn't cash. You're you're going to have pain from people hurt, hurting you. You're going to be gossiped about. You know how I know that you're going to be gossiped about because you've gossiped about somebody else. For your life, you are going to face things in your life that just aren't fair. In fact, there's a running joke when you go to pastor's meetings. Like pastor's meetings, we're called to shepherd people. You guys know it says that? So you are my flock, right? And, and, and I'm supposed to shepherd you, which is a biblical, biblical concept. I'm supposed to 
take care of the people that God has entrusted me with by praying and preaching and counseling and pastoral stuff, right? And at pastor meetings, they'll, they'll sometimes talk about the horrors of what it's like to, to pastor people. And so they'll say this, they'll say, you're called to be a shepherd and we want you to understand that the sheep bite sometimes. <laughs> Some of you just got that. It was like, ha. <laughs> Right? If you just get it, you just keep the laugh to yourself. Don't be that person, right? You just, or he gives a courtesy laugh, and I don't appreciate that either, right? So the sheep, the sheep bite. If you do anything, you're going to face, you're going to face criticism. And so here's, here's axiom number three, axiom number three. When you face these moments, criticism, pain, loss, all that stuff, I'm telling you, I'm going to teach you something that in 20 years of doing this, right? So I started in 2002. And it's 2023, right? In 21 years of ministry, this has never led me wrong. And it's, I'm going to tell you something. It's painful. It sucks sometimes. It's not what I want to do. I don't, I don't wake up going, this what, but I'm going to teach you something that I promise you, if you implement it into your life, will be an absolute game changer because the critics, the gossips, people hurting you, they're never going away. So you're going to have to learn how to deal with this. Here's axiom number three. Axiom number three. Number three. Can you bring that up? Always take the high road. Everybody say, always take the high road. Look to your neighbor. Look to your neighbor. Go to your neighbor. Go to your neighbor. Go to your neighbor. Go to your neighbor. Your first choice. Tell them. Always. There you go. Now look to your second choice, the person you didn't want to talk to, right? Don't be offended because we always take what? Always take, I promise you, it's the one road in life that will never lead you to the wrong destination. It'll feel bumpy. It, it, it'll be difficult sometimes. Sometimes it'll feel like you're getting the raw end of the stick. So, sometimes it'll feel like it, God is not being ju given justice to you. Sometimes it won't make sense. Sometimes it'll be so wrong and such a big lie that everything inside of you wants to rage and yell and defend yourself. And I'm telling you, in every situation that you face, what should you do? Always take, and here's the cool thing about it. That is just following in the footsteps of Jesus. I tried to find a moment where he was like, you know what? I'm done with you people. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Preach. Like, there was a moment. Jesus is preaching a message, and he's not preaching good enough. He, he is God incarnate. He is, he is preaching himself, and he has critics there listening to him, and they don't like what he says, and they walk away. Like, gee, I would have been like, I am the bread of life. Don't you dare give me five, a four-star Google review rating, right? Like, you can't do that. I'm Jesus, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He had some dude in the back going, I don't like that wording you use right there. That's not Greek right there. Like, it, criticize him. His, his family, his family at one point thinks he's crazy. His own family. Think he's weird. Like, Jesus is Jesus. What do you mean you're God now? You're Jesus, right? I beat you in soccer. The, 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 Jesus is like, I let you, James. It's called grace, right? And so, like Jesus, he's on the cross. People are mocking him. Like, and like I told you, people, I wish in the Bible when people were mocking him and the religious leaders were standing there all smug and their stuff and he's dying and they're laughing at him. I wish there was a moment in scripture where Jesus finished it, but in the middle of finishing, finishing his, his sacrifice on the cross, he got down off the cross and he used these words, hold my nails, Peter. 
Could you imagine? And he did, I would make, I would get that tattoo, right? I'll hold my nails, right? And so he just gets off, off, off the thing. And he goes and just punches somebody and then gets back up on the cross and finishes it. Like, I, I wish that was how it would be. But there's not one example of Jesus responding like that. And here's the thing about it. The same power that he used, and sometimes power is outwardly, but other times power is inwardly. The same control that Jesus used in his spirit to deal with the people around him, the Bible says in Ephesians, that same spirit and that power is available to us through Christ. And so we don't have an excuse ever to not take the high road because we follow the one who was the perfect example and gives us the same power that he used to live in that. So I want to show you what he says. I want to show you what he says. We're going to go to Luke chapter, chapter number six. Luke chapter six, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're going to follow along. And uh, last week I said we're going to be Matthew five, six, and seven, the Sermon on the Mount. And so Luke also covers the Sermon on the Mount. So this is his, his way, his way he, he wrote it down. And so there's a little bit of difference, but they say very similar, similar things. And so I like the way Luke said it. We'll take it up with Matthew and when I get to heaven someday. And so Luke chapter six, he's dealing with same, same things, dealing with all these different areas of life. And so he's going to deal with how, how you handle your enemies, how you handle people you don't like, how you handle being criticized, how you handle being gossip. Here's how he starts, Luke 6. He says, blessed are you when people, everybody, if that's up, what does it say? Blessed are you when people what? So if you're a people pleaser right now and you just want to be liked, Jesus just messed up your world. Blessed are you when people hate you. He goes on to say this. He says, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil. But here's the important part. Because of the Son of Man, that, that's the important part. You ever meet somebody like, I'm being rejected, but you know, for my faith. They're like, no, you're a jerk. Nobody likes you. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yesterday, I was, it was Saturday. It's, Saturday is like a day of rest. You should just leave people alone, right, on Saturday. I come pulling into my driveway. It's downhill like this. And out of, in my, in my, in my, my neighborhood, I see something I've never seen before because I didn't think this existed anymore. But there was three uh, people dressed in dress clothes walking around my neighborhood. I immediately knew this is Jehovah's Witness. I asked God when I was getting out of my car. I said, God, please not today with me. I'm just not, just, I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me to talk to these people today. I know I'm supposed to be kind, but I don't want to do it. So please don't have me, have them come down here and let us have a conversation, God. I don't want to do something I'm going to be ashamed of and not be able to preach from. And so they go to my neighbor's house. My neighbor don't really come out of his house that much, so I knew he wasn't answer, going to answer the door. So they knock, and here, here was the setup, and I've, I've talked to Jehovah's Witness many times. They usually have a teenager uh, or a young person that travels with somebody who's more seasoned and older, and then what I've noticed is they always have a third person, and he kind of stands off or she stands off in the distance, and she watches or he watches to make sure they do it right and to check off, okay, there's another one. You're going to go to heaven now. And so, so this dude is in a full suit. It's 85, 90 degrees outside, he's walking around through bushes, he's looking at them. They, they don't get the thing, they come around, they, they, they see me, I'm like, oh no, we made eye contact. <laughs> I try to act like I'm busy, like they have some form of people skills and, you know, have read about Jesus, that's probably not the way he would do it, and, and so they come walking down to me and I stop them, I'm like, whoa, 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 I was like, I'm a pastor, and I can guarantee you we don't believe the same thing. 
So please cease and desist. They came walking. And they came walking. They have, they have a little pamphlet. If you've ever talked to Jehovah's Witness, you can mess them up because what they do is on Sunday, Sunday morning, the pastor or whatever they call the, the person that preaches to them gives them a question and then an gives them answers. So they ask this question that needs an answer, and then they have another answer. They have another answer and another answer, and eventually you have three hours of wasted time. And so I just said, I said, hey, just, I just want to stop you. I don't want to do your question thing today. I was like, this is weird. You're in, clo you're in dress clothes. I said, the dude up there, the men in black up there. <laughs> I said, that's super awkward. No one is going to want you to come knock on the door. I live in this neighborhood. Everybody knows I'm a pastor. Please don't embarrass me. Like, and I think when they left, they were like, we're getting rejected for our faith. I'm like, no, you're getting rejected because you're weird. She even told me, she said, this is how Jesus did it. I was like, I have never read a passage of scripture where Jesus dressed up in a three-piece suit on a 95-degree day and started knocking at people's door and asked them where they were going to spend eternity. He hung out with them and ate with them. Right? So it's a, all that to say, you're not getting rejected for your faith. You know, sometimes you get, you're a jerk. Let's just be honest. You're, you're weird. He's saying, you're following me. You're, 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 you're living in my grace, you're pursuing my plan, and sometimes as you're, you're doing that, you are going to attract people into your life that are nothing but negative, that, that have nothing but criticism, that point out nothing but flaws in, in, in your life. What do you do when they come? So here's what he says in verse number 20. He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. So he says, hey, don't forget, in our history, every real prophet was hated. They, they, they spoke truth. They lived truth. Nobody wanted to hear truth. So they hated them. On the flip side, he says, woe to you who are rich for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep. Here's, what, here's where it gets good. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you for that is how their ancestors treated their false prophets. He's saying, hey, listen, it's not a blessing that everybody likes you all the time. He says, everybody liked the dude who was lying about what God was saying. Everybody cheered them on. Everybody followed them into hell. He said, it's not, it's not an indicator of how well you're doing biblically by how many people love you and if you just have a few. He says, you're going to have people in your life that treat you like this, that criticize you, that condemn you, that point out your flaws. So then he says this, and this is important. I want you to hear this. The Bible says that in verse 27, he says, but to you who are listening, here's my question. Are you listening? So here's the thing. Sometimes you hear a message like this. You're like, man, uh, this is probably for somebody else. It's not. <laughs> this for you. You know how I know it's for you? It's for me. So he, he says, hey, I, I know I've spoken. I said something about being liked. I said something about being hated. Okay, I know you guys are all over the place. He says, I want you to focus now. Make sure you're listening. Here's what he says. Watch this. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. You ever notice it's really hard to pray for somebody that you hate? in a good way. Like, I'm not talking about like the pulling out the theology, oh God, you're sovereign God and in control of time and people. So if you would like to wipe them out right now, God, that would be amazing. <laughs> I, I just trust in your plan. I trust in your timing, God, right? I'm talking about like a Jesus prayer. 
God, you, you, you bless those who curse you. You, you pray for those who, who are against you. He goes on to say in verse 29, he says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, it gets real practical now. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Could you imagine if every household of children got that scripture verse? Why does every fight in your house happen? They took what was mine. So I'm justified in taking it back. It just makes sense. It's in the Bible somewhere. What does Jesus say? If somebody takes something from you, give it to them. Give it to them. Somebody gets in the way. They just took my promotion. Give it to them. Try to take my spot on the team. Give it to them. If somebody's fighting, fighting you, you're not fighting with them. You have a God who's fighting for you. So you give it to them. So what do you do? What do you do? I'm telling you, man, this will change your life. Here's, here's three areas. Three areas that you, that you handle with your comebacks. Three areas Jesus talks about. Number one is this. Three areas take the high road. Or sorry, the high road. Number one. Sorry, jumped ahead. Number one, three areas take the high road. First one, with your, with your comebacks, how you reply or what you say. So let me, let me life, is, life is 10% what happens to you or 90%, 90% how you respond. 10%, 10% what happens, 90% how you, res, you respond. And so I'll tell you how I want to react when somebody speaks negatively of, of me. I want, to, I, want to, I want to defend myself. Anybody else? I feel like such a wussy when I don't. Like, I, I want to I say something. I want to gather people around me that, that do not confirm or believe in what they say, but know who I am as a person. And I want to turn everyone in my circle against that one liar. And he, here's why. Because sometimes when somebody criticizes you, it, it's actually a revelation of an area that you're insecure in. It's an area, it's a revealer oftentimes of an area where you are not fully found in Christ, where you haven't, you haven't fully found yourself in your calling. And so you're not quite sure. And so every word of somebody else is either building you up or tearing you down. I, I would encourage you, you can get to such a point of maturity in your life that your mind is so fixated on the words and the truth of Christ that the opinions of other people don't matter that much anymore. So what I want to do, if I'm being honest, when somebody attacks, I want to attack back. I, I, I want to bring a comeback. I, I, I want to talk about their mom. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I want to point things out. You ever been criticized by somebody that you know if God would let you, you could destroy? Like they're throwing rocks at glass houses, you know what I'm saying? Because usually that's what the critic is. The critic is a person over overcompensating for what they're really struggling with. And so their eyes are fixated out. They got that whole focus in on the speck while there's a plank in their own eye. So I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to make a comeback, right? But that's not what the Bible says to do. It doesn't say that. I wish it did. I wish it said uh, to, love, to love your friends and do awful to those who hate you, Right? Curse those who curse you and mistreat those who mistreat you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Be nice to the people who are nice to you and mean to the people that are mean to you. Jesus wrecks the whole thing. He says, oh, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to do good. 
I, I, want, I want you to pray. I, 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 I want you to bless. And so I, I'm going to take the high road. Everything inside of me wants to come back on somebody. I'm going to take the high road by, 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 by keeping what I want to say to myself. I'm going to watch what I say. In fact, uh, me and my wife, we've, we've talked often. We've done this for years, right, for years. And so we, we realized early on, 2005, when I started the church, I realized criticism and gossip were going to be part of the rest of my life, like literally part of the rest of my life. I learned it three months in. I don't have time to tell you the story. I don't have a couch. I don't have tissues. And so, <laughs> but I, I learned. This, this would be part of it, right? And I'm telling you, in, in 2005, as a 25-year-old, I wanted, I wanted to attack back. I wanted to speak. And I stumbled on this verse in 1 Peter 2 that has, I think has become one of our family's uh, life verses. And everybody has life verses. This has been one of our family's life verses in, in, in our years. Second, 1 Peter 2 says, when they hurled insults at Jesus, right, what does he do? He doesn't retaliate. I wish he did, but, but he doesn't retaliate. When, when, he, when he suffered, he made no no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He sat in the peace and the trust of a father that he actually believed was in control. And so he did not fight back when he could have fought back. He, he watched what he, what he, what, how he responded with his comebacks. And I can't tell you how many times in my life I, I practiced that as a pastor, as a leader, and I've watched, I've watched God. I've watched God come through. Uh, years, years ago, I'll give you just a, one example of, of it. Years ago, uh, I, was, I was a young pastor. It was me, and it was my brother working at the church. He was my worship pastor. Um, he's, a, he's a preacher now. He's a good, good pastor. He was my, a mediocre worship pastor, he'll tell you. And so he could play four chords on an acoustic guitar. And so, so we could sing any, any Chris Tomlin song that there was, right? And so that was it. And so that was it. And so he, he used to leave with me. He, he, we worked very cheap. We had this church going on. And uh, one time this kid came from, that we grew up with from my mom and dad's church, Morningstar. He had grown up. He was kind of close to my brother's age. He was engaged to be married. He wanted, he wanted me to, to do his wedding. And so they started coming to church. I took them through marriage counseling. And we did their wedding, right? We did their wedding. I think they had their reception at the, at, at the church at Limerick. And so we did their wedding. And then uh, we were sitting around round tables. And he, here's how I, I remember this happened. I don't know if it happened exactly like this. He, his dad sat down with us. And now here, here's the background of the story. His dad also grew up at my parents' church. So I knew a lot about his life, right? So that's how it goes oftentimes, right? So he sits down, and we're talking, and he says, oh, this is your church? And I say, yeah, this is my church. My mom and dad's church helped us start this a few years ago, and uh, I'm doing this. And I said, Ryan is sitting here. He said, Ryan's doing worship, and we're kind of all going here together. And I think this is an amazing thing. I'm, I'm like, my mom and dad were pastors, and, you know, most time pastor's kids, you, woo. And so, like, and, like, we're both here. We love the Lord. We're working progress. We're pastoring this church together. Like, this is an amazing thing to celebrate. And he looks at me from across the table, and he says, that, that's some nepotism there. And here's the thing about it. Some of you are like, that's offensive. I barely passed Bible college. I don't know what nepotism is. <laughs> I'm like, is this in the Bible? What do I, do? I don't know what he's talking about. I'm like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Does this, that mean great? I don't know what this means, right? And he said, oh, it's, it's, like, oh, it's really good for you. Your dad was a pastor, and so then he helped you start this church because maybe you didn't have anything else you could do. And then your brother, your brother, and I was like, 
what? And he was like, yeah, maybe, like, it's just nepotism. Like, he, like you, that's the only reason you're here. And I was like, bro. And here, here's, 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 let me just, where I went back to. So there was plastic forks there. I was, and, right, <laughs> that wasn't going to work. So I went back, and I, I remember my childhood. I flashed back. And so my parents, and I, before I say this, I'm just, I want to give a disclaimer that I'm not opening up this door in my own life. But my parents were pastors, and they were, they were very kind to people and very welcoming in their, in their home when, when I was a kid to the point where um, pretty consistently in my teenage years, we had people living with us for, for extended periods of time. So I would show up. I would get home, be a 15-year-old kid, and he'd be like, hey, here's your new brother, right? <laughs> hey, Carl, how you doing, right? And so, like, so that's what happened. So I'm just telling you, don't call me. It's not happening at my house, right? But so it would happen. And so this guy, I remember, a flash, I didn't remember until then, a flashback, and I remembered this guy did something stupid. I don't know what it is, but he did something stupid, and his wife kicked her, him out of her house, and he had to live with my parents, grown man, uh, live with my parents to help get himself back on his feet. He lived with, with, with me and my brother, probably 14 you know, 13 years old, whatever we are, sitting watching uh, Friday TV, remember, Full House and stuff like that. And, come, like, in my opinion, what a loser, right? This dude, you're, you're telling me about nepotism? And in that moment, everything inside of me was like, right? Like this. And I was like, I can't do it. And I just, I just buried it, right? Just, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I didn't give him any ammo. See, the conflict has a hard time of continuing to go when it only involves one person. So I'm, ta- I'm challenging you. Listen, the Bible says it's, it's to your, your benefit to overlook an offense. I, I know you want to type it. I, I know you want to talk about it. I, I know you want to say something back. I know you want to respond. I know it's not true. I know sometimes you hear things, you're like, that didn't happen like that. That is your interpretation of how stuff happened. That is not what I did. That wasn't my intent. There's going to be times in your life when you literally bend over backwards for somebody, and they don't care. And I know, I know human nature is, I want to, I want to take the low road with my comeback right now. I want to hurt where I've been hurt. I'm telling you, always take the high road and your comebacks. Let me just give you two more. One, number, number, number two is this. With my control. So here, here's, 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 here's where it gets good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you two normal ones, and then I'm going to give you next level, because we don't play for second, base, uh, second place at Journey Church. Are you tracking with me? And so we want to be the best that God has called us to be. So I'm going to give you two mediocre ones, and then I'm going to give you next level. This, this one, middle of the road. Number one, what you say. No, number two, what you show. Your, your, your control. Right? And so I, I have three boys. I have three boys. I have, that, that means I have a middle child, right? Middle child. Middle child. Any middle children in here? How many middle children in, the, in this room believe they were the favorite of their parents? One of you, right? One of you. <laughs> middle kids never think they're the favorite, right? They always think they're forgotten or nobody cares about them or no one sees them. The truth is they're usually the best. And you spend all your time dealing with your first and your last, trying to get your last not to destroy the world, right? So the middle is just kind of there, right? And so Lincoln, Lincoln's my, my middle kid, and uh, I don't know why that middle kid's developed this, and I'm, I'm sure there's some, some psycho, psychologi- psychological this to it, right? And so nepotism, and so like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure there's something to it. I don't know what it is, but like he, he from time to time, as maybe some of you have no, noticed in your own life, he wants attention, but he goes about it in the wrong manner. He likes to annoy people. He goes up, he goes, he goes down. 
he, he just, he, he just, he wants to get, get, a, get, a, get a rise out of you. And so in my house, it's all the time. It's like, it'll be like, you know, Lincoln will be tapping on something or be standing in front of the TV or do something like that. And then one of his brothers like, you're lying, right? And, and, then, and then what does he get? He gets a hit of what? Dopamine. Ah, oh, feels good. Which, by the way, if you feed your life on criticism, right? Criticism, criticism, criticism. The dopamine is when somebody responds and is frustrated. Oh, that felt good. They got, they got, oh, I got to them. Right? And so he'll get to them. So we'll tell, we'll tell them all the time, like, hey, you, you can't respond. Like, he even does it to us. Like, my walls are all white. And uh, I'll tell my kids, I'm like, listen, we're past the age where it's, a, it's acceptable for you to touch the walls. Three, four, five years old, you're still figuring out how to walk. You're 15, dude. So he knows he's not supposed to touch the wall. So what does he do? He'll walk by. We'll be like getting dinner ready. Hey, it's dinner time. We'll walk in and be like. <laughs> what do I do? I freak out. <laughs> I hear my wife's, don't respond, right? Don't respond. Stay under control. And so I, I want to, the next time somebody, the next time somebody criticizes you, the next time somebody gossips about you, the next time somebody shares something that you know is just meant for your harm, the, the, the next time somebody tries to take your spot. I had a guy in second service say, hey, this was really freeing because uh, I worked on a project for two years at work, went, on, uh, uh, went away for a few weeks, and somebody came in, and the new boss threw it all away. And for two years, I've been struggling with just feeling like, they, like it was wrong. And I've been letting it affect me. I've not been able to sleep. It's literally changing me physically. And he's like, today was a day of freedom, right? I'm going to start taking the high road in my life, not only with what I say, but in, but in how I control myself. The Bible, by the way, calls this self-control. I'm not going to allow the outside surroundings to affect me. In the leadership world, they call this being a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermometer is a reactionary device. You put it in somebody's mouth, and it adjusts according to the, the situation that it's in. And so, hey, this is, you're right, you have 101 fever because the body is, has a fever, right? A thermostat says, I don't care how hot it is outside, I'm making it 67 in here. The outside doesn't affect me. It's the ultimate calming mechanism. I, I'm going to keep myself calm. I'm not going to freak out when somebody is trying to hurt me. Watch what Jesus says. I love this. He, he, he shares a really practical example that if you didn't live at that time, you won't understand. He says this. He says, that, hey, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. In Matthew 5, he says, if someone asks you to go, one mile, go two miles. Now, I don't have time to cover all three of those. Let me just do the slapping one, the slapping one. And so in that culture, slapping was a big deal, apparently. And I don't remember the last time somebody came to me and said, hey, pastor, this person slapped me. I need you to pray for me, right? <laughs> and so, but in that culture, slapping was a big deal. Oftentimes with a, with a, a, a master and, and, a, and a servant. Like they, they wanted to keep that servant in line. Sometimes with the Romans who were controlling Jerusalem, and the Jewish citizens. So a lot, of, a lot of Jesus' listeners would have been Jewish people. They were living under the control of the Romans. And so the, the habit or the, the, in the context is you, you could slap people. And when you slap people, you never slapped them with your left hand. That was, that was unclean. So Matthew 5, Jesus specifies the right hand. Luke is a doctor. And he's going, you guys are smart enough. You know it's your right hand. 
So he says, when somebody slaps you with the right hand on the cheek, turn the other cheek. So he, he, here's the thing. In that culture, if you wanted to make somebody feel belittled, you, would, you, could, you couldn't hit them on the, the left cheek, right? Because the left cheek was a representation of you being their equal. Slapping somebody is you teach them, I'm over you. So here's what would happen. They would take their, their hand, turn it sideways, right? And then they would backhand the person. And so they would hit them on what cheek? If, if I'm looking at somebody, this is my right cheek. What side is their right cheek? This, this is the right cheek. You guys tracking with me? So you're going to take your hand and you're going to turn it and you're going to slap them. And in that culture, that's, you're dehumanizing me. You're taking from me something. We're making a big deal about it. I can't believe you did this. You're not over me. Jesus, would you kill them? And so Jesus says, hey, the next time this happens, it's going to happen again. The next time somebody takes their hand and slaps you on the, on, on, on the cheek, I want you to turn your other cheek, your left cheek, and I want you to give them that cheek as well. And the guy or the girl has a decision to make. If I slap them with an open hand on the left, the, the left cheek, this is a symbol that we're equal. This means I'm over you. This is a symbol that you're equal. In other words, I'm taking the power back from you in my life. I'm not going to let you put me down. I love this example. He says, if somebody tells you to carry their bag, a rule. Roman soldiers could be walking by, they're carrying their luggage, they can say, hey, get, get this for me. Could you imagine that? You're in the middle of your day, get this for me, you're going to walk with me. The rule was, they could walk with you a mile. How many of you think every time that a Jewish person got that bag and had to walk for a mile, they complained the whole mile? Whined about the whole mile. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is, not a, this is, this is, this is beneath me. I can't believe you're making me this. Brutus, I hate you, right? Like all this stuff. And he says, when you get to one mile... That's legally, you're done. I want you to go for another mile. Could you imagine? Hey, you're done. Nah, we're going, man. This is fun. Let's do this again. What are you doing? He's taking the power. I mean, they're like, Jesus is passive. You ever meet somebody? There's nothing passive about this. Jesus is saying, take your confidence back. Take your self-worth back. Don't give that power to anybody else. Live self-controlled. In my control, number three is this. The third thing, and this is next level living in your life with your with your charity. And I just, I just want to wanna, wanna tell you something else before we go. Sometimes people criticize you and it comes from the wrong place. I just want to make sure because I don't want to preach a message where you're like, I'm never listening to any ounce of criticism ever. I'm not dealing with it. They're always wrong. Sometimes somebody criticizes you and it comes from the wrong place, but it's still right. You ever been there? Like I, I took my first, my church, my first church planning and assess, assessment test years ago. And so I was going to start a church. You got to take an assessment to make sure you're not an axe murderer. <laughs> so I took this assessment. I sat, with, I sat with this guy named Tom Reese, and he, 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 he spoke to me. He said, hey, I said, how did I do on the test? He said, well, you, you, you scored good in some areas, you scored bad in other areas. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you're not going to be a great boss. You're going to be really hard to work for. You have very low amount of empathy and care and compassion. <laughs> I was like, is, is that in the Bible? Like, what does that mean, right? And he was like, you're going to have to work on that if you want to have a healthy staff someday. Or you're gonna, if you don't, you're going to have a really high amount of staff turnover. And at first it felt like he was criticizing me, but I just want to, sometimes people say stuff about you. He was from the right place, but sometimes it's from the wrong place. And it doesn't matter. It's still something you need to evaluate. I don't want, I don't want this to be a message where it's like, all of us are living up here. We got nothing to work on. Come on, you know yourself. But there's other times people, they're, they're hurting um, they're, they're, not a, they're not happy with where they're at in life. And so they, they, you live under this constant weight of, of their criticism, which is really just a cover-up 
for their own problems. And you, and you face somebody like that. Somebody that literally brings nothing into your life except for, for pain, right? And so I want to give you third, the third step. And this is what I call next level living. So there's mediocre Christianity, right? And then there's, I'm going next level. I want to be all that God has called me to be. You want that, right? Okay, some of you do. And so, like, there's no book of the Bible that, that is the book for the mediocre people. Like, I want to be everything that God has called. So I'm going to give you next level. You're going to watch your comebacks, right? You're going to remind yourself. Here's what you're going to remind yourself. Just because I think it doesn't mean I have to say it. Right? It's not sin to at least my mouth. So I'm going to bury this, right, and let God deal with it. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Lord to give me a spirit of self-control where I fully trust in him with every area of my life. And then here is the next level. Number three, the high road with your, with your charity. So in Matthew, he specifies, right? Luke doesn't cover this part, but he specifies. He says, you, you live in a culture. You've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. You punch me, I punch you. You take from me, I take from you. You say something bad about me, I'll say something bad about you. You steal from me, I'll steal from you. you ever, ever, I mean, sounds like every childhood in the world, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm justified based on what you've done. I want to remind you, I want to remind you. There's a level you can get to where you begin to live a, a response of life as a Christian based on on the ridiculous amount of unwarranted grace that Jesus Christ gives to you. Some of you, you're here at church and you, you don't consistently remember the only reason you're allowed in here today is because of the grace of God. If it was up to you and your life and your behavior and your thought process and your mistakes and your shame, and like, there would be lightning striking. But you walk into this place every week and God treats you like you don't deserve. Are you guys tracking with me? And so this is what enables you to begin, this is next level, to begin not only to not respond, not only to not come back, not only to not protect yourself, not, not, not only to not, like this enables you to go, not only am I not going to fight back, but I'm going to return good for your evil. I'm going to bless you even though you're never going to bless me back. I'm going to speak high of you even though I've only ever heard you speaking of low of me. I'm going to respond to you not in the way you respond to me or give to me. I'm going to respond to you, but watch this, based on the way that Jesus consistently responds to me. I promise you it'll change your life. In fact, I wrote this in my notes. I said there's a, there's a blessing in helping some, someone who has never helped you. You ever been there? I'm not helping them. They don't help me. I'm not helping them move. They don't help anybody else move. I'm not doing this. All right. There's a blessing in you helping somebody that doesn't help anybody else. You can either, listen, you can either live and your greatest blessings can come from people on this side of eternity or your blessings can come from above. And let me just, who do you think has more resources? There's, there's a blessing. There, there's a blessing in helping a competitor in your area of life get ahead. 
There's a blessing there. there. There's a blessing in giving to someone who has never or will never give it back to you. There's a blessing. Years ago, I was listening to Joyce Myers, and I, this is not a, a yay or a nay for her, so don't send me an email, right, Christian kid. And so, right, I got more important things to do. And so, but Joyce Myers was preaching, and she's as practical as could be, and she said, hey, pastor, she said, somebody eventually is going to start a church in your town, and they're going to become your competitor, and they're going to start to steal your people, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And she said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call them up, and I want you to buy their first sound system from them and I was like that's awful preaching Joyce <laughs> there, 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 there is there is there is nothing better than responding to somebody's low tax tactics by taking the high road and what you send back to them I, I promise you it will change your life forever I'll give you one more story as we close I could I literally could just give you story after story after story Years ago, uh, many of you weren't here yet. We, we, had, we were a multi-site church. And so now we have two. At one point, we have five. And so uh, we started Limerick, 2008. We started Phoenixville, 2010, 11, something like that. Then in 2012, I think, or 13, we got offered a building in Plymouth Meeting. The years passed. We started Roysford and Montgomeryville. But Plymouth Meeting was our third campus. And uh, we had a meeting with the pastor and uh, one of his board members, elders, I don't remember what it is. I remember the night. It was a cold, rainy uh, night at this old church, the oldest building in Philadelphia. Just, it wasn't, but it felt like it. And so we walk up to this building, me and my wife, Ian, my boys are with us. We take a tour of the building. I just want, I want to set the, set the picture up from you. It's rainy. It's cold. We never met these people before. We walk into the, into the, the place. The pastor meets us behind the pastor. Is one of his elders or groundskeepers or something. The dude has one normal hand, has a claw in the other. Now, I'm not a judgy person, but it was going through my head. Took us down in the basement. I remember thinking, this is how we die. This is how we die. So we went through this building, they gave it to us, it, was, it, like it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a gift, like a, like a massive gift, it was literally a, like somebody handed you something that was going to cost four to five hundred thousand dollars, we didn't have that money. And so uh, the district that year when we got this building called, we were raising this money, they said, hey, we're going to make you our, our strategic project for this year. What that means is in May we have our big district event where 400 churches come together we're going to make a push for your project, and uh, we're going to collect money. And when we collect money, uh, we're going to give you free money to, to, to put towards that project. Can we do that? Yes, we, I, I will take your free money anytime, right? And so, so here's the backstory of it. Uh, first thing is uh, there was two other guys. And so usually there's only, there's, only, there's only two projects. So every year since I've been here, they have two projects. They do one, two. They raise the money. They split it two ways, and, and, and the people go, go on their way. That year... It was voted on to have three projects. So I already felt slighted. I know you're giving us free money. But why don't you pick three partners the next year? Let's just do two this year. I got a $500,000 project. And, and the kicker was my father was, was a presbyter. And my father is, is literally, when he says, I believe in generosity and I believe in blessings and I believe, like he, he actually lives that. And so he, he was one of the ones that said, let's do three this year. Let's believe God for big. And I was like, yo, dad, <laughs> let's believe God for big next year, right? Let's just do one this year. How about that? A little nepotism, right? I looked it up by then. And so we did three. And then the other two guys that we were doing it with, um, they didn't do as much work as me. Like we, 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 we made the video in-house. 
we, we came up with the pamphlets in-house. I felt like I carried the majority of the work, right? Like our church did the majority of the work. Then the offering came in. I don't remember exactly what it was, but three-way split, it was $38,000. You ever complain about free money? I have. I thought to myself, we only had two people. I would have got $56,000. Instead, I got $38,000, and we did most of the work. And in my opinion, these two other pastors, they didn't work as much as I worked, and they didn't put as much effort into it. And God, this isn't fair, and I don't really want to take the high road. I want to take the low road right here. I want to talk to people. I need to get to the, the bottom of it, right? And that's how I was. And so I took the $38,000. We completed Plymouth meeting. A few years later, we signed a lease to go to Royersford to move into a ladies' gym. You guys remember that? And so I'm going to make a ladies gym in the storefront over there or a church in the ladies gym and so we start this project and our goal of this project is we're going to pay this one cash we're not we're not going we're not going to take any loans we're not going we're, we're just going to raise the money we're going to we're going to pay for it as we go and so we're, we're getting to the end of the project and we owe about forty thousand dollars to finish it like we we, we we need money like that's we're, we're we're bleeding right like at this point we need money and so uh it was a night kind of like the october night it was a little later though it was like 11 o'clock at night 10 30 11 i'm not exaggerating tom which is the guy that that did my assessment years ago and said hey you gotta work because you're mean right i see his number on my phone and so anytime anybody in authority is calling you at 9 30 10 o'clock at night you don't answer that you're probably in trouble in fact i thought i was in trouble because we were starting this other campus and we didn't tell anybody we were starting it we were just gonna do it ask for forgiveness later that's in the bible somewhere right so I pick up, after three calls, I pick it up. I'm like, yo, Tom. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing great. He was like, you starting a campus in Royersford? I was like, yeah, man, I was going to tell you about that. And he was like, hey, listen, I, uh, I got something I want to give to you. I said, what do you want to give? I said, okay, what, what, what do you want to give, right? Like, what? He was like, well, remember you did that, you did all that work, you know, years ago. You guys got the money, $38,000, went three ways. He was like pulling up old wounds at this point right never said anything took the high road never complained right like and so he's like hey he's like yeah one of those guys that we did the work with remember the, yeah i'm like all right i remember that guy right like he he's left his church closed it up and moved to florida right which i'm like okay he was like he has that thirty-eight thousand dollars sitting in, in an account for a building that we can no longer use so we were wondering if we could give that to you for your words for campus and I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> you matter of fact, I'll take that check a few, few days later. And here, here, here's, here's what God told me. He was like, you thought you were losing out. The interesting part is we got the biggest offering in that district thing that, we've, that the district ever got because they had three projects. If they would have had two, there wouldn't have been as much generosity. There was three. People felt bad. Okay, let's try to bless them as much as we can. And so I went from having $38,000 given to us to having $76,000 given to us. God was basically telling me, I knew you didn't need it when you were doing Plymouth meeting to complete that campus. So I just put it in heaven's bank. And when it was time for you to complete that, this project, I knew you were going to need it. So I just sent it back to you. And I got to tell you something. I was glad in that moment that I hadn't let my mouth do the talking in my life I was glad that I kept a lot of the immature thoughts that I that I had a lot of complaining thoughts I was glad that I took the high road I was glad that I worked and it was God saying hey you're never you're never gonna end up at the wrong destination when you take the high road you might hit some traffic you might get some delays you may get might get behind some gapers you know what I'm talking about 
You might have some moments of frustration. Don't you dare exit. Don't you dare try to, I'm going to find my way around this. You don't do that. You just stay on 76. You just keep going, right? No matter what, I'm going to choose the high road. In every situation of my life, I'm going to choose the high road. Would you stand to your feet? I want to read you something as we close by Mother Teresa. And I, 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 when I was first pastor, and like it, was, it was all the hype. You quoted Mother Teresa and C.S. Lewis. I'm not trying to do that. Uh, but I love this, this one quote from Mother Teresa that I think is so fitting for, for this message. Here's what she said. She said, if you are uh, kind, people may accuse you of being selfish and having ulterior motives. She says, be kind anyway. She says, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and you will gain some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. What should you do? Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Mother Teresa said, give the best anyway. Give the best. I am always going to choose the high road. The high road will never take you to the wrong spot. Let me ask you something. Do you have ears of today? Don't you dare start thinking about who else needs to hear this. Somebody else needs to hear this. Don't you leave this place. I'm telling you, somebody's going to confront you with a little criticism. Don't you forget this. I'm always going to take the high road. I'm going to watch what I say. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to control my demeanor. And then I'm going to give every, I'm going to bless. I'm going to give. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to restore. I'm going to do all. I'm going to live like Jesus calls me to live. I'm going to live like Jesus calls me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And, uh, Here's what I want you to do. Here's how we ended every other, other service. And I think it's an important one. I want you to visually get the people in your head. Some of you, it's a really long list. Some of you, it's a short list. I want you to get the people in your head that uh, you have a problem with this with. Like, you think of them, you're like, oh, yeah, I got a problem with them. I want, I want to say something back to them. I want you to think of them in your head. And then as I, I, I speak to others about salvation. I just want you to begin to pray for them. It's hard to stay mad at somebody when you pray for them. That's what, that's what the gentleman told me at the end of second service. He said, uh, when, when you told me to start praying, I started praying for those, those two guys at my work that I've had hatred and bitterness and resentment to. And I could just feel the weight of, 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 of it going away. I could feel it. So I want you, I want you just, you don't gotta be pretty. Like I know in church, you got to keep good front on. It don't have to be pretty. God, God can take your real feelings. He already knows your hatred in your heart. He knows the dirty parts of you. I just want you to, I want you to clearly see that person. I want you to picture their face. And I want you to begin to bless them, not curse them. I want you to pray for them. Maybe you're in this place as, as we, we do that, we... We, we lift up those, and I, I have people in my own life. There's people that I want to pray for, right? Uh, it, you're here, and you're like, man, I can't do that. Like, I don't have the power to do that. Like, my life is so filled with bitterness. I'm so angry. And he, here, here's the thing about it. This is not a lessening of the, the, the weight and the truth of what you've gone through in your life. That's not what it is. We want to do that a lot. We want to give value to things we shouldn't give value to. 
value? Do, am I hurt? Do you see how bad it was? No, you don't understand my situation. It's, it's not about lessening that. It's about understanding that, yeah, that was bad. And man, it's been difficult in your life. Man, you faced some things. But we have a message of Jesus Christ where he is more than able to heal you and make you whole. He's able to restore what's been broken. He's able to bring things out of your life that you didn't even know were there. He's able to soften your heart and heart. He's able to do that. I'm not asking you or I'm not telling you, man, it wasn't bad or what they said didn't hurt. I'm just telling you, man, just because it hurts you doesn't mean it has to hold you the rest of your life. Jesus said, he said, he said, hey, listen, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me. He said, my burden is, is light. Come to me. I'll take it. I died for it. I know, I know what you've been through. I've been there. But the hope of the gospel is that because I died for it and I defeated it, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to be a victim of your past. You don't have to be imprisoned by what's been done to you. You can live a life of freedom through Jesus. So maybe as I'm speaking, that's you. Like you, you, you can actually feel it. Like you're, it's, it's heavy. You, it's, it's weighted. It, it, it's depressing. It keeps you up at night. It, 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 it literally, it, it kind of affects every relationship that you, that you have. It affects the way you parent. It affects the way that you are to your spouse. It affects the way you are at, at work. It actually has a life of its own, right? Like it's, it, 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 it's you. Like you, you see it in everything that you do, but you're tired of it. Said, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. What did he do? He died on a cross willingly for your sins. He shed his blood for the payment, the atonement of the sins committed on this side of eternity. The Bible says that he was placed in a tomb and on the third day that he rose in power. And it's through him that we have forgiveness of our sins and we get to experience eternal life. It starts with Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. Maybe you're in this place and you're carrying that around with you. And as I... As I have you picture those people there's hatred that fills your heart and maybe you've never realized this before but that hatred is your prison it's not hurting them it's your prison so forgiveness is not for them it's for you I'm gonna walk free I'm gonna become who God's called me to be I'm not gonna let my past get in the way today I'm gonna put my faith my hope and my trust in Jesus Christ everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed if I'm speaking to you right now I know sometimes when we're doing this you can either check out or you can wonder if what's happening to you is also happening to other people so I want you to forget every person in this room I want you to cancel out every uh, uh, other person I want you just to worry and think about yourself your life are you are you are you tired are you weary are you carrying around baggage in your life are you ready to put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Jesus Christ? Are you ready for freedom? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need the power to forgive those that have hurt you? Are you ready to walk out of this place a new person? It's never too late. It's never too late to become who God has called you to be. If your heart's still beating, God still has a plan for you. Jesus Christ, 
I need you to come into my life right now. Today, I'm going to put my faith, my hope, and my trust in you. Not worrying about the person to your right or left. If I'm speaking to you right now, if the Holy Spirit's knocking at the door of your heart, if you're ready, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, all over our houses. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. Nobody looking around in this moment. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, a little bit of courage, a whole lot of faith ready to leave this place in freedom. If that's you, would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven for me? Say, hey, today is going to be a day of freedom for me. His hand's all the way up in the top. Is there anybody else? Another hand here. Another hand. Yes, yes. Maybe that first one, you were a little bit shy. Sometimes I, I feel like there's a few other people. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I'm not going to let this moment be taken from me. Jesus, I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Is there anybody else who would say, hey, pastor, that's me. I don't, I don't know Christ, but I need to. I, need, I missed that first moment, but I, I need to. I need Jesus to heal me and make me whole. If you're in Phoenix, would you clap with the person in Montgomeryville? Would you celebrate with them? all over this house with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, both here in Montgomeryville. Let's pray together. The Bible says we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. That's how we start a relationship with God. It's not through works so that no man can boast. So let's say something like this all over our house. Say, Jesus Christ, today I'm done running. I don't want to live one more second without you. Today I put my life in your hands. I believe in you and I want to follow you. Jesus, thank you that I'm a brand new person. The old me is dead and gone. Now before we celebrate that decision, before we celebrate with heaven, I want you one more time as, as you prayed for those people, here's what I want you to say now. Um, before I say amen, it's a mistake when you pray and say amen and take your prayer with you. Amen is how you end a conversation with God where you say, I don't know if I can handle this, but I trust you enough with it, so I'm going to leave it here with you. That's what amen. And so before we say amen, your prayer is going to be weak if we pray for that person, and as soon as you walk out of this place, you begin to think about them and, 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 and go back into the conversation, and the next time it happens, you go right back there. I want you, when we say, I want you to say, God, I'm going to leave them here with you. You made them, you deal with them. You got your own stuff to work on. God, you made them, they're yours. I'm, they're, listen, God, I trust you with my life. Nobody can take anything from me that you have destined for me. Nobody can stop your plan for my life, God, except for me. So, Lord, I want to I follow you. I, I, I want to lean into your presence. I want to hear from your word. God, I want to become all that you've called and created me to be. So, God, I leave that issue here with you. I trust you with that. Jesus, I thank you for how we're going to walk out of this place in real freedom. We're going to have peace that surpasses all understanding. We get to celebrate with heaven because those who were lost are now found. We thank you for your word. We will never get sick of being in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray all over these houses. Would you shout amen? And would you clap together one more time? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. 
If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.